0: Teenagers can be terrible. They're not always unaware, confused, or innocent. A lot of the time, teens can do some truly awful things, things that you would think would be beyond their comprehension. They can even kill one of their closest friends. My name is Brienne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's episode, we're going to continue discussing the murder of Michelle Missy Avila. This is part two of her story, so if you haven't heard part one, go back and check it out. Though this is technically part two, This episode is going to travel back in time to a time way before Missy's life was ever in danger. At least as far as we know. At the adorable age of eight years old, Missy and Karen Severson became best friends. A fact that would hold true for essentially the remainder of Missy's life. But things began to change when they got to high school and in their time there. As more time passed in high school, some differences between them began to show. Missy was adored by the students of the school. She was beautiful and popular, and though there was probably plenty of room in the spotlight, Severson didn't seem to see it. With each new day, she grew more jealous of Missy. She resented her for being more popular among the peers, and was angry that so many of the young men that they went to school with seemed to have eyes for Missy. And there was another side to this jealousy, too. Not only was Missy getting more attention, but she was also giving less attention. Caught up with a growing social circle and popularity, Missy just didn't have as much time to spend with Severson, and... Severson didn't like that at all. In fact, she was so mad that she decided it was time to get even with Missy. Severson took a classic move out of the Mean Girl Handbook. She started spreading rumors. Over and over, Severson began to spread rumors about Missy and her supposed promiscuity. She told tale after tale about how Missy was secretly sleeping with the more popular boys at school. Boys that almost entirely had girlfriends. This news was ill-received. This was high school, and people took rumors very seriously. They were the law of the land. They took them so seriously that a mob of girls ended up in quite a tizzy over it. Rumors of Missy sleeping with their boyfriends reached them, so they all decided to confront Missy and actually beat her up for it. Severson's behaviors continued to escalate as the school years passed by. It seems clear that the two really drifted apart, but not entirely, from what I can tell. At some point, Missy began dating Randy the same young man that Severson would later claim had pulled Missy into his lap. But this was before any of that. Missy dated him first. At this time, Missy and Randy were together, but they didn't last long when Missy realized that Randy really only cared about partying. Severson swooped in to scoop up Randy, and the two actually ended up dating each other and living together. Clearly, at some point, Randy decided that he wanted Missy back. He tried to put the moves on her, but she shut him down. Seeing his interest in her, she encouraged her current, I'd say frenemy at this point, to break up with him. And as you can imagine, this was not well received. Missy and Severson officially stopped talking a couple of weeks before Missy was murdered, but that didn't stop them from getting into a fight. Several witnesses eventually came forward to discuss the fight with police. The two girls got into it at a park and Severson seemed like she was fairly unhinged. During the fight, she actually grabbed a broken beer bottle and threatened Missy with it. She didn't stab her, Maybe because there were witnesses, since it clearly wasn't a moral hangup for her. But she did charge her. Severson shoved Missy and apparently slapped her. After everything was said and done, the two girls separated. This was ten days before Missy's death. And that brings us to the day in question... The murder that would only be that much worse when we looked back and realized just how little these young women cared about what they did. On the day in question, Laura Doyle asked Missy to hang out. We know this. What no one knew at the time was why they were going to hang out. If you ask me, it was probably a part of a big plan to kill Missy, but the courts would ultimately disagree, so take that for what you will. Regardless of whether or not they had plans to kill Missy, they did decide to trick her into heading out into the forest with them. The two girls led her out into the forest near the creek, and then they unleashed on her. They screamed at her for being a terrible person and for the countless accusations about her sexual history. They yelled at her for being with boys, boys that Severson herself had made up the rumors about. Then they turned, accusing Missy of seducing their boyfriends and hooking up with them. They basically blamed her for problems all throughout their high school, stating that she had destroyed too many relationships and that enough was finally enough. Now, I don't know if you've ever been face-to-face with someone who is so clearly out of touch with reality that they can't be reasoned with. If you haven't, I hope you never do. But it can be an impossible situation. When people work themselves up into a frenzy, the truth ceases to matter. There is only the world that they have in their minds, and if you're the villain in that story, no amount of explanation will calm them. And I have to assume that is how Missy felt trying to plead her case to these two rabid teenage girls. But it didn't work, and Missy was overpowered. Her two friends held her down in the water until she drowned. They cut off her hair and then together they carried a hundred pound log and dropped it on top of her. And then they went back to their normal lives and pretended to sympathize with her family over her loss, which is disgusting. I don't really have a better word for that. This went on until another young woman came forward nine months later to tell police what she knew. With this tip, they were arrested. And even though it seems pretty likely to me that they lured her out there with the intent of attacking her, that wasn't what the courts decided. The courts determined that these young women did not intend to kill Missy. They believe that they simply meant to confront her and things got out of hand. That the murder was random. An accident, even. And though it might be true in the court of law, I think a lot of us will always wonder. How deep did their desire to kill go? And how did they actually plan to kill her? Is that why they picked the spot in the first place? Because it had the creek? Something that struck me about this case, like I'm sure many of you, is the complete lack of remorse. These two young women didn't just kill a girl and then panic and hide or confess. Laura Doyle called Missy's mom and covered up the murder. Karen Severson moved in with Missy's family and let them treat her like their own daughter. Was... Her obsession with Missy's death, an obsession formed from guilt, or was she gloating? Was she proud of her actions? Well, Severson seems like she answered that question for us when she got out of prison. After almost 24 years in prison, Karen Severson decided it was a good idea to write a book about murdering her former friend. She wanted to tell her story. Now, I'll admit that this came as quite a shock to me. We've all heard of narcissistic killers gloating about their crimes, but how often do they write a book framing themselves as one of the victims? Well, in her book, which I won't even deign to name, but it is only a quick Google search away, she certainly got a lot of attention. I didn't read this book and I probably won't, I'll be honest, but I'll include some highlights from the Goodreads that certainly caught my attention. First, people are very mad that she really does seem to blame Missy, like she actively played a role in forcing her friend's hands to kill her. She also shows no remorse in the entire book and instead focuses on how hard her life was in prison. And apparently in a promotional interview, she actually told reporters that people don't seem to realize that she lost a friend and no one seemed to understand her grief. As you might expect, a lot of people boycotted this book and begged people not to let this killer make money for her crimes. But Missy's family took it one step further when they found out that Missy's murderer was promoting a book talking about killing her childhood friend and was currently negotiating a film deal they took action in 2015 they sued her in hopes of keeping her from receiving the money for her work and in a case that would make history they won to help other victims and families a new law was passed Missy's law With this law, it is illegal in the state of California for criminals to profit from telling their stories and crimes involving clear victims. The law is applied to publishers who must actively contact the families of the victims involved and discuss the material in advance. It was a big win for Missy's family, and you'll be glad to know it meant that Karen Severson did not make money for telling her story. From what I can tell, her work has been removed on all major publishing platforms. Which I think is a good thing. I cannot imagine the feelings of betrayal shared by Missy and her family, and I can only hope that they're healing and resting easy knowing that Severson won't be making money on Missy's story. But this is another one of those crimes where we have to be realistic about who people are and what they're capable of. Some teens are innocent, but others are killers. The sad truth is that we don't always know until it's too late. So, if you want to discuss the importance of mental health care for teenagers, obscure media laws, or how we can show support for victims without glorifying criminals, feel free to contact me on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. Thanks, guys.